VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And today we're going to be talking about Remember the Holocaust so it doesn't happen again. Now I know... Before you switch that dial or click off onto something else, the Holocaust, oh no, that's almost as bad as her talking about terrorism. I know some of you out there are thinking that. But, in fact, the reason why I thought about doing this show um, now, especially since it was just recently, this past week, uh, the anniversary of the Holocaust, Yom HaShoah, um, the anniversary of Holocaust martyrs and heroes, Remembrance Day, um, I received an email and uh, from one of our guests, actually. Um, I am fortunately on her email list, and at the end of the show, you'll find out how you can be, too. Um, and it, it had a picture, a very sad picture, about that came from uh, World War II. It came from a concentration camp, and it was really very poignant in the sense that it showed um, a little boy with his arm around a little baby. Um, and they are all lying, there's a fa- whole family lying dead on the ground, face down. And um, there was a, a letter that came in this email, and I'll just read you part of it, because this will make you think about what the relevance is for today, for all of us. Um, it's, uh, the the uh, email says, or the letter says within the email, Today is Yom Hashua Vahagavorah. Holocaust Martyrs and Heroes Remembrance Day. I don't want to take anything away from any survivor or child of survivor, but this year the day feels especially awkward to me and I am full of questions. I know less than a handful of people who warn of another coming Holocaust. Even as we see pictures in the New York Times um, of Ahmadinejad waving a victory sign from the nuclear site at Natanz in Iran, most people, and I do mean most people, can't stand to hear that another Holocaust is possible in our time, if not sooner. If we cannot prevent the next Holocaust, if people refuse to even consider that very real possibility, what good is commemorating the last one? And that's something for you to think about as we're talking today with my guests, both children of Holocaust survivors. Um, it's, they are... Dedicated, they have dedicated themselves. They are dedicating themselves um, to doing what they can to make sure that people remember and to make sure that it doesn't happen again. But what's interesting, as I was thinking about this today, is that each of them do it in very different ways um, that go according to their personalities. The my first guest is Doris Wise Montrose. She's the president of the Children of Jewish Holocaust Survivors Los Angeles. She is the founder, as well as the president, um, and she has geared her organization's work to prevent the tragedy that befell her family and millions of Jews and non-Jews during World War II. Her organization is a diverse group that hosts politicians, activists, 
academics, and people of all backgrounds as speakers to disseminate information important for the cause of freedom in order to prevent a repeat of mankind's darkest time in history. And I have been at some of these events that Doris sponsors uh, on behalf of her organization, and um, they've been very, very, um, well, I'll let her tell you more details about them, but they've been very moving and very important. Now, and that goes with her personality. Uh, more recently, I met uh, S. Hanela Stadner uh, at a at last weekend's uh, Los Angeles Times Book Festival because we both have the same book uh, publishers. That is to say, her book publisher. She's the author of My Parents Went Through the Holocaust and All I Got Was This Lousy T-Shirt. Uh, and her publisher publisher has also published my mother's book that I've talked about on the show, had my mother on, uh, called Archibald Swiss Cheese Mountain. A little, a little diversity there, too. And welcome to the show, both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Carol. Um, why don't we start with your response to that uh, quote that I read um, about the importance. I mean, you know, you probably have had this yourself recently um, as yet another anniversary came by where people, you know, don't really seem to, some people obviously, there are people who care very deeply about this day or what's become a week um, of remembrance, but for so many people who aren't children of, of Holocaust survivors and so on, um, they wonder, well, why do we have to keep bringing this up? Why do we have to keep thinking about it? It was such a horrible time in history. Let's just move on. <laughs> well, why, why, uh, you know, why do I have to be the only person thinking about the Holocaust every day? I, if I'm going to suffer, I want everybody involved. Uh, I don't want to do it alone. I think that one of the reasons that people push it aside is because they feel so powerless. Like, what can I do? What should I do? And uh, so one of the reasons that I wrote, uh, my parents went through the Holocaust and all I got was this lousy t-shirt the way I did, I call it a traumedy, is because I try to uh, let people know that it's okay to think about, that you don't have to be uh, solemn when you think about this, you don't have to have, uh, you don't need to be Steven Spielberg and do something monumental that a million people are going to uh, get involved with and view, you could just be with yourself and just uh, don't uh, uh, keep it inside. You can share it. And if it, if it comes to you in an irreverent way, then share it that way because that's how I survive the horrors with humor. So I'm telling people it's okay to talk about it. Yes. And Doris? Um, um, see, my experience is different. I'm... I, because of what I do, I'm not, I'm, the people that I'm around don't avoid talking about the Holocaust. And we don't, um, uh, we, we have, a, the people I'm around are very, very proactive and we use the Holocaust as a uh, jumping off point. I guess is is a, is a good way to put it. Um, it is it, it's the it is exactly what motivates us to uh, to to make sure that there isn't another one. 
So, and it, I think with with children who grew up with parents who talked about the Holocaust, or or if they didn't, we knew about it. We know that anything is possible. But yeah. you grow up in in America where it's kind of safe. You know, you stay out of bad neighborhoods. You lock your door. You have that illusion of safety. You may not understand that this is the kind of world where. Civilized people like the Germans, who were about as civilized as people can be, can suddenly turn into a mass mob, a crazed society that actually would think of people, a group of people like Jews, as not even people, but vermin, and then it's okay to exterminate them and to turn their backs. Here are the most educated people in the world, and this is what they did to their fellow man. Now, the average American doesn't really think about that. It's pretty incredible, but it happened. Well, for me, commemorating the Holocaust and and educating about the Holocaust is very important for, and I'm speaking of education, is very important for Jews who did not, who are not directly affected, like Hanalei and myself, and and uh, and for the rest of the world who need to know that something like that can happen, and it can happen among the most ordinary people. And of course, what we're facing now, they don't look ordinary to me, but because, but. Um, the, so it's so it's there. So for for me, education is important for those people. For those of us who are descendants of of people who lived who survived it, I think we have a very very special obligation. And in fact, on some level, I think we were born in order to um, warn the world and make sure that it didn't happen again. To other, to our, to our people again, and to everyone else that they want to annihilate now. That's an interesting yeah. way of thinking of, of that. Hannah, did, did Hanala, did you also have you thought of that too? That that perhaps that's why you were born. Uh, well, it, it seems like that's everything in my life has brought me to here, uh, because right now I, I do television. I'm on the Jewish Life TV network, um, and last week I had uh, uh, Renee Firestone in, and she, we were talking about the Holocaust. We did an hour special, and uh, when I was growing up in Montreal, I always knew I wanted to be on television, but never in a million years would I have believed that I would be talking about the Holocaust. I mean, I was always thinking about it. As a little girl, I used to be in my room. Uh, I had, you know, your average uh, six-year-old uh, little girl fantasies. I'd have a man strapped to a chair, and um, he would look like Adolf Hitler, who's in a Nazi uniform. I'd stick things under his nails and say, so you're going to say you're sorry? Do you know what you did? Do you know how many people you made suffer? Do you know what you did to my family? You know, so I was, I was driven by it as a little girl. But did I think that I was going to be doing this when I grew up? No, no, I was going to be Laura Petrie on the Dick Van Dyke show. But, um, you know, my mother used to come into my room and say things like, Hitler killed my whole family, but I should live to have a daughter like you. You can't make the bed. And uh, I didn't know about the ant in the camp, uh, the, the cat in the hat. It was the ant in the camp. That's what I grew up with, the, the, my, my aunt was Hanala, who died at Treblinka, and I knew this growing up. And this was, this was something that was always like, to me, it's like um, scratch and sniff, you scratch and you get Holocaust, and mm-hmm. it stinks. So 
even though it was always with me, I did not think that I would be doing this, but it seems like I am driven to explain to people that, yes, it did happen, and, yes, it can happen again. And there's so many of us I didn't know. I mean, think about it. There were 12 million Jews in, Holocaust, uh, in, in Europe before the Holocaust. Hitler killed half. So that left 6 million feeling guilty, and most of them had kids. There are a lot of us out there, but a lot of us do not talk about it. I know, Doris, you're used to hanging out with people who do, but then there's the whole other world, like my sister, who's... Leave that in the past. It's in the past. Why are you bringing that up? Hmm. Okay, yeah. That's also another experience that I haven't had, honestly. Um, and most of the people... Actually, the I have friends who are children of Holocaust survivors, and, and I know a lot of survivors, obviously, through my, my mother, who's still alive. But um, a lot of my friends are not Holocaust survivors. A lot of the people I work with, most of my board are not Holocaust survivors, and a number in my board are not even Jewish. But we share uh, that one thing, and that is to avoid another Holocaust and what do you think the main problem is for why people today um, are in such denial about, uh, <laughs> about, well, we can answer that when we come back, why people are in such denial about the possibility of it happening again? I can remember growing up and, and learning about the Holocaust in school and thinking, wow, you know, that was incredibly horrible. Phew, it's a good thing something like that will never happen again. And yet, <laughs> and yet, you know, we are on the verge of that. Well, stay tuned. We're also on the verge of having to take a break. We're talking today about uh, remembering the Holocaust so that it doesn't happen again. My guests are Doris Wise Manchos, the president of Children of Jewish Holocaust Survivors Los Angeles, and Hanala Stadner, the author of My Parents Went Through the Holocaust, and All I Got Was This Lousy T-Shirt. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcasts each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about Remember the Holocaust so it doesn't happen again. My guests are Doris Wise Montrose. She is the president of the Children of Jewish Holocaust Survivors Los Angeles, and S. Hanela Stadner, the author of My Parents Went Through the Holocaust, and All I Got Was This Lousy T-Shirt. And we were, before the break, we were kind of left hanging on this question of um, why people seem to be so resistant to think of the idea that, that it could happen again. Um, what, which, which whoever wants to start with that, why do you think... Um, I mean, I know, Doris, you said that the people that you're around, and of course in your group um, largely, uh, don't have a problem with, you know, being very aware of that. And in fact, that's what they're doing activist uh, work to try to stop. But but um, people who, I mean, other people you come in contact with, I mean, certainly you've seen that, that people, I mean, that's what that, that quote was, that, uh, that, People are, well, I talk about this in regard to terrorism, how people have buried their head in the sand, and I guess it's pretty similar that there's just a denial that something um, this horrible could happen again. Somehow we think we're immune to it. Well, I, it, first of all, it's frightening beyond comprehension. So when, when, and there's also a sense of, of, of uh, helplessness. What, what exactly does any single person think that they can possibly do? And I remember the first event that I had in my organization was I hosted Noni Darwish, and I showed the film Obsession. And I sat here and I watched it, 
and it was so horribly frightening. And at the end of it, and then Noni spoke, and then at the end of it, there was not. It was you were sort of left hanging because it didn't say, "Okay, now go out and do this, this, and this to mm-hmm. combat it." It was designed to scare you to death. And that's what it did. And you are so overwhelmed with something that is so overwhelming and there's no way to do anything that I think human, you're the psychologist, as human nature, when you're overwhelmed with something that you have no way of doing anything about, you avoid it. Yes. Yeah, I turn on the TV and start eating. Uh, that's right. It, uh, I needed to lessen my fear of everything so that I could go out and become uh, more effective in my life. I think one of the uh, traits of children of survivors, uh, a lot of us feel this intense need to accomplish greatness, but we don't have the self-esteem to do anything about it because a lot of us were brought up uh, to believe that uh, we're not allowed to talk about our feelings. Uh, if we had, like if I came home from school and said, Ma, the girls in school don't like me, my mother would say, you think they liked me in Poland? So, and, and nothing I could ever have could compare to what my parents went through. I mean, you can understand that. But little kids, obviously, we need to have our boo-boos kissed. We need to be comforted. But when we're not, we're, for me anyway, it, it taught me that um, my feelings that I wasn't important. So if I felt strongly about something, often I couldn't do anything about it because my feelings weren't important. But our, we are our feelings. So if people understand, if you do feel bad about something, if you do feel scared, you do have a right to share it. And so if 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 something makes you feel uh, uh, hopeless, like you watch uh, – anything even even an inconvenient truth you you've you've got to share your feelings about it with other people or else it just uh for me it caused more uh um uh destructive self-destructive behavior i'm also 25 years sober so it's like my parents had hitler and i had uh, drugs and alcohol and, and men in limos but i learned that i was valuable and that my opinion counts and that's why I've got to talk about this because I know that most people think they're so comfortable here. You know, they've got all the cable channels and everything. It's hard for them to believe that people are mass murdering people. Uh, it, it, for, you, you've, got, you've got people killing people right now for, for no other reason other than they can. And it's the, the, the thing to do in that country. But it is happening Yes, you know, even um, people are so horrified about the man um, in Austria who was discovered to have had um, his daughter, you know, buried in the cellar uh, mm-hmm. and having sex with her for 24 mm-hmm. years. And, and it's interesting because when he was growing up, um, the Germans had taken over his town, and he, we know that he burned, he admitted to have burned his son, um, the baby that was three days old and, and died, he threw the baby in an incinerator. And I don't really think that that's a coincidence, um, that that's how he disposed of the baby. I think he was obviously influenced by the barbarism that he saw marching through his town. Why don't, um, Hanela, why don't you um, tell us about some, I mean, you started to tell us about what it was like growing up as, the, as a uh, survivor as a child of a survivor of the Holocaust? 
Well, Hitler spoiled my parents for regular suffering. There was absolutely... Can you imagine? My mother's looking at me. Uh, you're, you're, you're watching... Uh, Captain Kangaroo eating alphabets. What do you have to complain about? But here I was a little kid with with uh, a lot of fear, and I was agoraphobic right from the beginning. I remember I, my mother screaming at me, go outside and play, and I'd be, no, no, because I had to hide in my room. And my mother would say things like, you're not normal. Well, I know. You know that. <laughs> what do I do with that information? And... Um, uh, I think one of the reasons my mother had me was because it wasn't fashionable when you come, uh, you know, out of a Holocaust to talk about it. Back then, it was like, it's over, it's in the past, be grateful you're alive. And my mother, how, how are my parents going to be grateful? Uh, they just lost their whole families in gas chambers. You know, now we know that you need to talk about a trauma, that, that, that like it's a one-two punch. One is what happened to you, and then the punch that puts you down on the ground is that you're not allowed to talk about it. So my mother kept it in, but then she had me. And then she would tell the stories. You know, oh, Hanala, how much you love your nieces, well, the Nazis. They killed all my nieces, my nephews. I had nobody. And I'd be on the floor crying, and my mother would never think how her words were affecting me because I was more a part of her. Um, now they call it narcissism, but back then it was like if my mother wasn't cold, I didn't need a sweater. So you know, you had have an older sister too. So did she used to talk about these things to her? My sister would say things like, "Ma, please, it's over." My sister, my sister was really good at shutting down her feelings. I needed help from Seagrams, but my sister just did what I see a lot of survivors' children do, and that's push it away, not deal with it, almost like it didn't happen. And but my my mother had one brother who survived. He had a son. That son committed suicide. Mm-hmm. When that son grew up, he had a little girl. She was five years old. She found her father dead. He'd slashed his wrist. He committed suicide. Thank God for humor, because if I didn't turn the horror into humor, I would have killed myself mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It was just too painful. So my sister was really good at, uh, you know, shutting down her feelings. My first drug was Hala and Star Trek. As long as I had enough food and television, I could deal with it. And then as I got older, you know, I found quaaludes and pot and alcohol. But otherwise, I wouldn't have survived. Doris? Yeah. Um, Again, it was different for me. And uh, my not... my mother was distant. There was a distance, uh, but and I we came to Toronto, and then from Toronto we came to to Los Angeles, and we lived like in the sort of the South Hollywood area, which is not like Hollywood Hollywood, but like a little lesser Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And my the school that I went to was very. Uh, it, it was there were all kinds of of children, all kinds of people from different backgrounds and different cultures. And I did watch Leave It to Beaver and My Three Sons and all that, and that's how I sort of saw what a different kind of life was like. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in terms of, I didn't have, I didn't. My parents talked about it, but what my parents had, I think that they were very fortunate, is that they had a tremendous support group of people here in in Los Angeles. 
and they developed, without denying their past, they developed a, a tremendous joy of life. And they were beautiful, they were vivacious, they dressed gorgeous, they were successful, they partied every weekend. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, everybody came together in different homes. They had the, you know, the beautiful turquoise couches with the plastic on it. <laughs> of course, had the a, plastic. Uh-huh, yeah. Everybody had a, you know, chinky drink, and then they had a, smoked a cigarette. It was everything that, everything that you could imagine that was American. They had, they, but they spoke in Yiddish, and you, and you, you heard them talking about words in Yiddish that we knew were referenced to the camp. All the kids were playing the camps, the concentration camps. The kids were playing. Um, so I have to say that I grew up with that. I did not grow up with a lack of self-esteem. I did not grow up with. Uh, I I never did drugs. I never. I, I okay. Never well, wait, wait. Let's 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 pick that up when okay. we uh, when we come back. We do need to take a break. We're talking about. It's very interesting to hear um, the similarities and differences between my two guests. Um, Hannah Stadner, who uh, wrote My Parents Went Through the Holocaust and All I Got Was This Lousy T-Shirt, and Doris Wise Montrose, the president of Children of Jewish Holocaust Survivors, Los Angeles. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... 
Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And we're talking today, um, devoting the show to remembering the Holocaust with two guests who are children of Holocaust survivors, and during the break, um, we, they were, were all talking together, and they indeed, uh, their families came from the same shtetl, the same little town, um, which is kind of interesting, um, and whoever would like to start first, I thought we could talk about how, in fact, your parents um, did manage to survive when six million Jews were killed. Well, my mother was always a very friendly person. She was like the uh, social butterfly of the the ghetto. And uh, she used to uh, bake pies for this one Polish soldier. He'd bring her apples, and she'd turn them into apple pies. So the day the transport came for my my mother's family, uh, the Polish soldier said, listen, to where these people are going is no good. You go run into the forest. You're the youngest. You don't have children. And uh, and I'll turn my back, and I... You know, you go. You, my mother goes to her father and says, what should I do? And as they're packing up the, you know, the, the, the cart, and, and that meant, you know, they were having a good month because if you had a cart, it meant you were rich. And so my grandfather, who I never got to say, you know, I never got to say I have a grandfather or I had a grandfather because when my grandparents were alive, I hadn't been born yet, and they were all dead before I was born. So he told my mother, well, if this is what the Polish soldier said, then then you go, my child. And my mother kissed everybody goodbye and ran into the forest, not knowing if it was a trick, if he was going to shoot her after all, because you never know who was going to turn you in. Uh, your friend became your enemy. And, uh, and that was the last time she ever saw her family, except wow. for one brother. Wow. And both my parents had big families, and uh, my father had nobody left at the end of the war. And how did your father survive? Um, they, my father, they, my parents were actually married before the war, and uh, my father said there were no women left. He had to marry her. <laughs> he was always making a joke. Meanwhile, my father was so in love with my mother. My mother was so cute. Um, they uh, they met up in the forest, and because um, my father had been when when my mother ran into the forest, my father was working on roads. You know, the, sta- the slave labor. Uh, they had used the Jews to to build the roads that the Germans would uh, drive their tanks on, which my father later would end up like blowing up because he became uh, one of the partisans. And so my parents hid in um, a hole in the forest, in the ground, and they made like twigs to cover up the top of the hole, and that's where they spent years hiding in the forest in wow. um, what, what was called the group. And, and how did they, what did they eat? 
they starved. Um, they uh, would go out in the middle of the night and either um, go to someone who they could trust and beg for a little food, or they would steal it, or they would starve. Hmm. And Doris, how did your parents survive? Well, my father survived. They, my my father had also a very a very big family. He had a brother. He was married. They were each married. Um, he had six sisters who were all married. Both his parents were alive. All of his sisters had children. And at the end of that, out of his family, only he and his brother remained alive. And that's because my father was an excellent tailor, and he was making mm. uh, uniforms for the Nazis. Hmm. And they, when they came in for their fittings, they would I slip him like a an extra rotten potato, and that's hmm. how he kept his brother alive. Hmm. And everybody else was killed. And my mother, uh, she had a couple of brothers that had already gone to Palestine, and um, I guess one that had left for Canada, and uh, so there was um, many many more who. There were many more in her family who did survive. And she lived in Uzbekistan and Tashkent when she was uh, during the war. And then she was smuggled back in and went to the DP camp, and that's where she met my father. Mm. And they, she had a brother in Toronto and who sponsored them, and that's how they ended up in Toronto. Hmm. You know, one time I said to my mother, Ma, how did you do it? Uh, you, you, you hid in the woods for years. You didn't know if a Nazi was going to kill you. How did you do it? And my mother said, it was no vacation. <laughs> and that's how I came up with the title of the book. And, uh, you know, some people say, <laughs> say, well, my parents went through the Holocaust and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Are you being irreverent about the Holocaust? Like, n- no, I'm, uh, what that is, is my parents had the important thing. They had the Holocaust. Everybody understands what that's like to be a Holocaust survivor means your whole life is destroyed. You don't know if you're going to die. You're, you're suffering tremendous grief. But the children's lives were trivialized, and that's where the lousy T-shirt comes in. And using, uh, like I said, um, you know, I call it a traumedy, using the humor to deal with the horror is what the Holocaust survivors did after the war. Uh, and that's the Jewish humor. Uh, you know, and it, it, even before the war, I remember um, the story about the, uh, the uh, if you made a joke about Hitler, you were, you were put in, uh, in a concentration camp because there was that one, uh, the one uh, person who told the joke about uh, Hitler goes to an astrologer and says, uh, am I going to win the war? And the astrologer says, no, you're going to die, and you're going to die on a Jewish holiday. And Hitler says, how do you know? And the astrologer said, well, any day you die is going to be a Jewish holiday. And that person who wrote that got put in a concentration camp mm. because humor was deadly, because it meant it, it, it meant we're rising above, we're not just surviving, we're thriving. We 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 we've uh, our minds are still intact because we can put in perspective. And like my mother said, what are you going to do? Cry all the time. Hmm. Hmm. Did your family use a humor as well? Um. Uh, yes and no, um, not specifically. Um, no, no. I, I, <laughs> think, I think that my parents did, you know, they were focused on building a life. 
um, they were focused on on the fact that they had survived, they had children, and they wanted their children. I know that my parents wanted their children to have a good life and to have everything they didn't have, um, including not another Holocaust. And uh, and they ju- they just I tell you they 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 just went on they just took what the gift that was given to them by surviving and made the most of it. Well, okay, but you know. I mean, it, it, okay, so it sounds like your experience was very different than Hanala's, and it doesn't sound like you had the experience of, of drugs and alcohol and strange men in limos. Well, I think I, <laughs> my parents, my parents were, uh, well, I called them, you know, hysterical, and they were in both senses of the term. I mean, my mother was so funny. She, um, she, uh, one time, my, my mother and I were on the porch, and we were watching my father drive by the house, which wasn't easy. We lived at a dead end. And uh, so, but he's always so oblivious. So, um, uh, well, my mother and I were watching my father make a seven point turn, uh, knocking over garbage cans, trying to get back to the house. And I said to my mother, Daddy liked that because of what happened in the war, and she said, "No, he was crazy before the war." And I said, "Well, why did you marry him if he was crazy?" She said, "He dressed nice. He had a bike." And she said that her family used to call my father Michigan and Migulski. Migulski was the village idiot. And that's what my, 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 apparently my mother's family called my father. And I said, well, Ma, you know, usually there's only one idiot per village. And my mother said, this was Poland. You could have two. <laughs> you well, know, so my, my, they were funny people. And that's well, what, you know, that's, I, I think that uh, they had that Jewish gift of that, that humor thing going. And, and that's uh, one thing that was passed down to me. Uh, they gave me wonderful gifts, not just neurosis. I mean, they gave me uh, the ability to survive. Not everybody who has uh, alcoholism and drug addiction like I did, who overdosed, got, uh, can get sober. But my parents showed me how to survive, too. Uh-huh. Well, okay, yes. And, and so, Doris, that's where I was kind of going, that... That, but even though it wasn't the same kind of uh, family, it sounds like, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways, still, obviously there was something that happened to you or touched you very strongly um, yes, in perhaps we... a different way to make you devote your whole right. life to this organization to, that um, is devoted towards be- being activist and, and helping people not to forget the Holocaust. So, so I mean, even though you know you're sort of describing a, a relatively normal, I mean, other than the fact that they that they especially celebrated life, but there had to be. I mean, as a little child, here's a psychiatrist in me. As a little child, you know, you had to have been um, very moved by all of that to grow up. To now spend your whole life, you know, working on something related to the Holocaust rather than being a, I don't know, a, something else. Well, I I think it's kind of my nature. It's sort of what I've always done in, in different in different ways. I've always been um, whatever I did. I was I found whatever whatever I did could be done better. So I I fought that. Mm. So I, activism, I think, has always been part of my personality it's just my personality and uh which could have been anywhere and it's not that my childhood wasn't touched by it it was very much touched by it i mean we looked different we you know we yiddish was our our first language and so was that um why don't we why don't we take up with that when we come back 
because I would like to hear that. Like, you know, what, what, um, I mean, it obviously seems to have affected Hanala's whole life, and it has yours too, I would imagine, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with that when we come back? Um, these breaks are coming so quickly because your stories are so poignant and, and fascinating. It's like too quick. Anyway, uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, and we're talking today about remembering the Holocaust, and we'll be right back, so stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host. We're talking today about Remember the Holocaust so it doesn't happen again. My guests are Dorothy Wise Montrose. She's the president of Children of Jewish Holocaust Survivors, Los Angeles, and S. Hanela Stadner. She's the author of My Parents Went Through the Holocaust and All I Got Was This Lousy T-Shirt. And before the break, um, Doris was talking about, uh, I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to analyze, um, why it is that, I mean, trying to, to connect, um, the, her childhood as your childhood as a, as growing up, um, with parents who were Holocaust survivors and how that impacted you to, um, found and be the president of this organization. And during the break, we were talking about how Doris has been an activist in one way or the other, um, throughout her life, wanting to fix things. Hanala was saying how, uh, 
children of survivors um, always want to fix things, whether they're therapists or, or you know, doing. And in fact, Hanala um, is a, uh, a a drug and alcohol therapist, correct? Yes, a substance abuse counselor. Well, yeah, I was when I when I was a kid, I tried to fix my parents because I thought if I could make them okay, then they could be good parents to me. Yeah. So it was a very selfish thing. I just wanted peace in the house. And then when I grew up, I branched out. You know, I would find men, boys who are fixer uppers, and I would try to uh, to get, to show. Uh, I, I, like one thing I would always say is, "Oh no, deep down, he's really a good guy." Uh-huh. And then I would try to get him off drugs, or I would try to better his life. And, of course, I never look at mine mm-hmm. because, you know, I was unfixable, but I could do a good job on them. And then, you know, now uh, 25 years sober, you know, I, I use my, my healing, my power for good instead of evil. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've really come a long way because I, I used to weigh 160 pounds. Now I'm a fitness instructor. I teach spin classes which is like the Auschwitz of exercise. <laughs> and, I, oh, my God, oh, my God. And um, I would do the hardest thing. Uh, uh, and uh, I, uh, besides being 25 years sober, I'm also uh, going out into the world now and taking on challenges and doing a TV show called Traumedy Central. Traumedy Central, I'm all over the web. I, you know, I'm, I'm very active now. When um, in the past I was so scared, all I would do is uh, either do drugs or eat and watch television and hide. So, okay. So, so to come back, um, so Doris, why then has it just been in recent years that you founded this organization? What made you come back to um, your roots and, and um, informing the children of Jewish Holocaust survivors? Well, probably I didn't come back to my roots. Probably it's just another aspect of my roots. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, so I I was I had children and I raised my children, and then I got a divorce and then I had a paralegal business um, where I helped people uh, do their own uh, family law um, matters, handle their own family law matters without a lawyer, and, and then when I stopped doing that, um, my I ne- my mother needed some help, so I. Uh, she got older, and I started taking taking. I was more involved in her life as I as I am now. And uh, and then two years ago, it'll be two years in end of June, early July, that um, the Lebanon war broke out in Israel in the Middle East. And I was sitting at uh, at a rally at the Simon Wiesenthal Center at, uh, on I think it was July thirteenth. And Rabbi Cooper, Abraham Cooper, came up and spoke, and, and in the middle of his speech, he said something about how we must uh, call on the International Red Cross to follow their mandate and, and, and do what they are mandated to do in terms of finding uh, the three soldiers that mm-hmm. were kidnapped, Gilad Shalit, in, in, uh, in the Gaza and Goldwasser and Regev in uh, Lebanon by uh, by Hezbollah, and it it sort of uh, it snapped in my head that one sentence, and I drove home and I'm driving home and I'm thinking all about this, and when I get home I started doing some research, and about 24 hours later and I had a stack of research I realized how horrible 
how vile the ICRC had been during to Jews, in ter- and I think because they were Jews uh, in, in, in the Holocaust, and that's the kind of thing that makes me angry. Anytime you, anytime I sense uh, someone doing something so wrong, I have to. Um, I, I want to take them on. Not that I want yeah, to fix them. It, I want to take them on. Right, right. That's inspiring, too, mm-hmm. when you see... I think that's one of the reasons that I wrote my book, too, was because it were, I saw so much wrong with with the way parenting was uh, was being done and uh that uh that uh, like uh, one of the chapters in the book is uh what my father knew about parenting could fit on the strap he hit me with you know it's uh, so so that I, that inspired me to all the wrongness in the world and but, but um what did our parents even know i mean most of them no, lost they their parents while they were still children so what kind of no mis- they 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 didn't know, and also yeah. it was a different era. Uh, uh-huh. They didn't read uh, Doctor Spock in the forest. They didn't know. They just uh, they parented the way they were parented, but and that was one of the reasons their parents at such a young age that there was no there was no even they did like we have no concept of a grandparent at right. all. Right. right. Well, now if you know if people uh, parents uh, did what my parents did, uh, the child protective services would come in. You know, it's a whole different world now. But when I wrote the book, when this, when I was first inspired, uh, children weren't treated as if they had their own minds. And um, and like I said, I had to do this through comedy because a lot of people don't want to know about these these things. But if I slip in the stories in a humorous story, like people read the book and they say it gets so painful, but then you make me laugh, uh, they're able to go on because I personally can't read another Anne Frank. But um, and, but my need was to educate people about the Holocaust, and so that's why. And one of the things um, you were talking about your first line, Doris, your first language was Yiddish, so was mine, and um, there's a lot of uh, Yiddish in the book, and at the at back of the book I have a glossary called Jubonics, mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. can go in there, so if someone calls you a schmo or worse, you can look it up and find out what that means, and so that's my way of letting people know that the Holocaust did happen, and it's still happening. I think it's like, you know, the war uh, didn't really end in Europe, it, it kind of came over on ships and became a sin like a like a virus it spread into the children and i know so many children like my uh, i have a cousin who even when she's smiling she looks sad mm-hmm. well well okay i'm going to look sad in a minute because where our time is coming to an end and i want to make sure that we have enough time for each of you to give out your websites so that people can find out more find out how to buy your book hanala and find out um about the great um, speakers and activities that your organization has, Doris. Mm-hmm. So, um, why don't you start? Well, they can they can look at my uh, my website, which is traumedycentral.com, T R A U M E D Y, traumedycentral.com, and they can watch. Uh, I've got videos of my parents up there. I've got all kinds of uh, interesting videos. The one that's gotten the most hits, of course, is the one I did with my dog. Don't ask. And uh, um, and uh, Amazon. It carries my parents went through the Holocaust, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt <laughs> right on Amazon. Okay. And, and our website is uh, www.cjhsla.com. 
org, which is the acronym for Children of Jewish Holocaust Survivors Los Angeles. And uh, it's, a, it's a very active, always changing website with all the past and future events and alerts and action items. And I also have audios of Caroline Glick. I have audios of uh, Dr. Daniel Gordis and uh, links to other things that, um, that I think people have found and will find very, very interesting and, uh, and give them a, 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 a way to, to, uh, to, to deal with what we're dealing with. Yes, and I can personally vouch for both of my wonderful guests because, as I said at the beginning, I've been to some of the events um, with Doris's organization, and, and I have uh, begun and will will continue reading My Parents Went Through the Holocaust and All I Got Was This Lousy T-Shirt. So I would say that the best way for you to begin to remember the Holocaust, in addition to listening to this show, is to go to these websites and find out more about what they have to teach because, again, uh, the quote is, those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.